So a group of frogs were hopping contentedly through the woods. Just go with me, all right? Just come with me on this story. And they were going about their froggy business. I think I have a picture, maybe. There they are. When two of them fell into a deep pit, and all of the other frogs gathered around the pit to see what could be done to help their companions. But when they saw how deep the pit was, the rest of the frogs, the rest of the dismayed group of frogs, uh, declared that it was hopeless. And they watched as the two frogs in the pit would lay there and not be able to get out. And so they, uh, they prepared themselves for their fate. They, they were as good as dead. And so these frogs uh, above the pit were just yelling down into the pit, if you would have been more careful, if you would have followed the froggy rules, you would not be in that pit. You should just lay there and accept your fate. You're going to die. There's no way out. And they just continued to yell over and over into the pit. And the two frogs just kept jumping as hard as they could. They, they, they jumped and they jumped and they jumped. But after several hours, they were very weary and they uh, began to grow tired. And finally, one of the frogs... Uh, took heed to the calls of his friends, and he uh, laid down and, and just quietly resolved himself to his fate, and he died as the others looked on with helpless grief. There's tissues if you need to pass those around. <laughs> but the other frog just continued to jump with, with every ounce of energy that he had. Uh, although his body was racked with pain and he was completely exhausted, he just kept jumping and jumping, and his companions kept yelling, just stop and die. Pretty good friends, pretty good friends there. And so the weary frog just jumped and jumped and jumped, and finally, in one last-ditch effort, he leapt so high that he sprang from the pit, and out he came, and he stood near the other frogs, and they were amazed, and, they, and they, they celebrated his miraculous freedom, and they gathered around him, and they said, why did you keep jumping when we kept telling you it was impossible? And reading their lips, the astonished frog explained to them that he was deaf. Plot twist. Plot twist. He was deaf. And as he looked up, he, he saw their gestures, and he thought that they were cheering him on. And what he had perceived as encouragement, which wasn't, but he perceived it as that, encouraged him to try harder and succeed at all odds. Good job, Mr. Frog. We salute you this morning. He got out of the pit despite all of odds because he thought people were encouraging him. So the point of this story is that words are powerful. That the things we say to each other matter that the things we say to ourselves matter. And, and for today's message, the things we say to God matter. The things we say to God matter. Gary Chapman is an author, and he uses this vivid metaphor that I read over a decade ago when I was about to get married, but it has kept in me just so vividly. And he says that words are either bullets or seeds. Words are either bullets or seeds. You can use your words as, um, to, to release superiority or to release condemnation, like bullets that can literally maim and kill other people. 
can make them feel worthless, can make them feel, feel dead inside. Or you can use your words as seeds that you, that you put into people that rebuild them and, and, and they blossom and they grow and they bring life and people can become things they never thought they could be because of the words that you speak to them. And this is a concept that comes right out of scripture. You're probably familiar with this verse. It's Proverbs 18, 21, and it says, the tongue can bring death or life, that those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So we are in week two of our Align series, and last week, if you were here, we talked about abiding in prayer and how prayer is a tool that orients us much like a compass, and prayer is a direction-finding instrument. So if we're lost and we don't know which way to go, we can immerse ourselves in prayer and begin to understand how to communicate with God. And then we can ultimately align our lives to, to true north, which is, which is the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus, and then we can navigate out of any situation. And this week we launched our prayer groups. Um, if you got one of these on your way in, uh, we're, we're really immersing ourselves as a church in prayer this whole month of May. And so on Mondays and Fridays from 6.30 to 7.30, um, there's homes that are open all across the region, hopefully one near you, uh, that you can get connected in. And also here on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8, we're having prayer and worship and, and even a teaching here in the sanctuary. So you're welcome to come here this week. So if you didn't get a chance to go to a prayer group this week, I want you to really make it a priority to put it in your calendar. I know it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take going out in the rain, unless it stops, not sure. Um, It's going to take making, maybe not doing something you typically do, uh, maybe recording that show you watch at eight instead of watching it live. Uh, It's going to take some type of sacrifice, but as you do that, I'm really believing that God is going to do amazing things in our congregation through prayer. So pick one of these up if you haven't got one so that you know where to connect. I'm encouraging each of you to get to prayer once a week in May. There's three opportunities, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and I want you to get there once a week, and that will add five hours of prayer to your life just in this one month if you make that a priority. So we know words have power. We know our own words can affect us negatively and positively. We know words can affect frogs, but not deaf ones. And so I find it so interesting because probably as a parent, uh, you have said this to your child, maybe maybe you're still, maybe you're... you're, uh, Children are grown and you're still saying it to your parent, but uh, you're still saying it to your children. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, But we believe so much that words have power to shift our mood. (laughs) How many of you have uh, been home with your spouse and you're in a great mood and then they just say that one thing? You know what I mean? That one thing and you're like, and your whole mood just completely changes. That never happens at our house. (laughs) Right, Joel? Okay. Um, But that those words can just shift us so instantly. It can change our circumstances. It can make a bad day good. It can make a good day bad. It can be encouragement to go forward. It can be, um, uh, you know, the last final thing someone says to you that makes you quit. So we believe, I don't have to convince you that words that we say are powerful or words that we receive. But how much more powerful are God's words? If our words are powerful and we're flawed human beings, how much more powerful are the words that God, the creator, the omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing God spoke? How much more powerful are those words? God's words have incredible power. John 6.63 says that the Spirit gives life. 
The flesh counts for nothing, but the words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. In fact, in the beginning, God declared, let there be light. With words, that's all he had to say, and the Holy Spirit released light. The darkness remained until Jesus interceded and spoke God's word over the darkness to release the Spirit's creative power to bring light. Just by his words, he brought light. In fact, in the creation of the world, if you just read Genesis 1, the phrase, and God said, is found in 10 times. And so God's words were full of spirit and full of life, and God's words literally created things. They created something from nothing. Because God's words are so powerful. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. By the word of the Lord, things are made. And God's words have incredible power. And so when it comes to prayer and aligning our hearts with God, intercession is praying back God's words to him. Intercession is praying back God's words to him. Now, worship is agreement with who God is. That's what we just did. What a powerful time of worship. We agreed. We declared truths about who God is. We said, you're the great I am. You, you are my peace. You're alive. It's a happy day because you have saved me. We declare to God who he is. We declare the truths of who he is. But intercession is agreement with what God promises to do. Intercession is agreement with what God promises to do. It's when we go in prayer and we declare truths related to God's promises and related to God's word. Now that word intercession, it actually means to intervene on behalf of another person. It means to go uh, to prayer on behalf of someone else. And intercession means that in these moments when we are praying for someone else, we are agreeing with what God already promised to do. We are agreeing with what God already said he would do. And the Holy Spirit has set this precedence that he moves in response to God's word spoken by his people. In the scripture, we see over and over that God moves in response to when we speak God's word. He moves. In fact, uh, the Lord ordains that healing would flow as God's people lay hands on the sick. We, we often know that part, but also, and they speak God's word over them. And God's words change something. God's words enter into the thing that's sick, enter into the thing that's broken, enter into the thing that's chaotic and a mess, and God's words put it back together. We studied a few months ago the armor of God. It's found in Ephesians 6, and it says that part of the armor is we have the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. It is a powerful weapon when spoken and released against darkness. And so when we are up against darkness, when we are up against difficult situations, maybe even darkness that we can't explain or understand, God's word has the power to to penetrate that, and it is released against the darkness. In the desert, Jesus was tempted, and if you remember, his reply to the enemy was the words of God. He quoted scripture, which released God's power. He even used his own words, God's words, to go against temptation. And then the last example I want to give you is Revelation 19.15 
says that at the time of the second coming, when Jesus comes back again, he will judge the nations by speaking the Father's words over them. God's words have incredible power. And what intercession is, is speaking God's words back to him in prayer. And, and this is just God's brilliant strategy to include all his people in ruling with him in power. It's so simple that anyone can do it. it it's, it's accessible to us. It's all right here. We all can have it. And so we can speak God's words, and that releases power more than any other activity which human beings can engage. Intercession is used to release a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. And that happens over and over and over. In fact, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. I want us to look in Luke 11, in verse 3. It says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good, good, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The scripture says that all we have to do is ask for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the lives of others, and our Father in heaven will give it to us. How many of you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? All right, let's pray right now. Close your eyes. Jesus, we are asking you for more of your Holy Spirit right now in this place. Have your way, God. Do your thing. Do what you want to do. And we pray these words back to you because we know your words have power. And in the scripture, it says that all we have to do is ask for more of the Holy Spirit and you will give it to us. And so we come to you in faith, accepting that you're sending it even at this moment. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just like that. You can look at the words of Jesus, and as you read them, you can pray, use his words back, and he will award you the things that you're asking for. He says, just ask for more of the Holy Spirit, and there we have it. Intercession also releases a greater measure of justice. It releases a greater measure of the Holy Spirit and a greater measure of justice. For this, I want to look in Luke 18, 6 through 8. The Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You know, God is always making wrong things right. God is always working on making the wrong things of the world right. And every time we speak God's words over someone, a measure of justice is released to them. Sometimes, I think often, and I don't know about you, but for me, uh, we don't know what to do about all the injustice in the world. Maybe you work in a, in a social work environment or a hospital or a place where there's just constant need. And, and maybe you have moments of feeling just completely overwhelmed with the fact that this problem is too big to solve. There doesn't feel like there's enough resources to meet the need. If we did, there's not even enough people. And there's this root of problem that just goes back generations and generations and generations. And maybe you just feel completely defeated when you look into a, a political system or a leadership system or a place that you find no justice. I know that there are times uh, Joel and I watch the news at night and we shut it off thinking, Jesus, help us. Because what is happening? How did this all become okay? These things people feel like they can do. And there's so much wrong with our world 
And even in your own life, there may be some things in your own life that are just plain not fair. Things that are happening to you right now in your job or in your family or with a relationship that isn't fair. It's not right. But you are, you are kind of stuck in a corner dealing with it. Do you know that when you intercede, you are doing something about those injustices? When you pray God's word back to him, you are releasing a measure of justice right into the situation, right into the heart of the person, right into the heart of the situation. So don't stop praying, even if nothing looks like it's changing. Keep interceding because there's power in words and there's power in God's words. And he is releasing justice to those orphans and to those widows and to those persecuted people. He is releasing justice to people across the world that we can't seem to help from our, from our living room. He is releasing justice into those situations because that's what he says he will do. And God's words are true. And God's words are right. And God's words are powerful. You know, prayer is a really practical expression of the commandment to love one another. Because it is part of the process that brings deliverance to those in need of it. Prayer is what brings, it helps meet needs. It releases justice from the ultimate giver. When you get in a situation where you feel helpless because you don't know what to do, you're right, you probably can't do anything. But the God that you serve can. And the God that's, that we worship today and the God that says, if you pray and if you intercede my words over the situation, I will release justice into it. That's the God who can do something about it. And so we can bring down justice from heaven. We can bring more of the Holy Spirit if we intercede and pray God's words back into those situations. Think of it like a, a computer programmer who writes lines of many code while developing a, a computer program. Spiritually, we are doing this, something comparable to this in our hearts, it is that we write a line of code on our hearts every time we speak God's word back to God in prayer. So everything we say that is in agreement with God is like code being written on our hearts. It's reprogramming us. Right, Bill? Yes, <laughs> he's the IT guy here at, at Airy First. He's reprogramming us. He's making us think different things. You know, praying God's word is like a check that is already signed. I love this analogy. This is an analogy from Mike Bickle, that book that we've been reading called Growing in Prayer. Praying God's word is like a check that's already signed. These prayers are guaranteed. They're like checks already signed in heaven, just waiting for a cosigner on earth before they're cashed. Because he already said, this is what's going to happen. I just need you to usher it in, to bring it to heaven, to intercede and use God's word. There are prayers that are straight from the heart of God because they are what he said. And these prayers must align with the heart of Jesus because he spoke them. And so, of course, they align with who Jesus is. We don't have to worry about, can I pray this? Is this the right prayer for this person? It doesn't matter. If God wrote it, then we know that it aligns with his heart, and therefore we can pray those things for us, for situations, and for other people. Luke 6.38 says this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this particular scripture we can apply to prayer is that the measure that we give in prayer for others 
will be measured back to us. Now, this is such an amazing promise from God. So, so just catch this. It does not matter for who we pray. Prayer will always multiply the blessing to us. It doesn't matter for who we pray. Prayer will always multiply the blessing to us. So, for example, Jesus says to pray for our enemies. When we pray for our enemies, like Jesus told us to do, we end up being blessed by the prayers we pray on their behalf. So, for example, when we pray for the release of the spirit of wisdom on our enemies, we receive the release of spirit of wisdom in our lives. When, when we pray for our enemies to hear and know God's voice and stop being so stupid, <laughs> we receive the ability to hear and know God's voice and stop being so stupid. <laughs> That the Holy Spirit gives us the measure. He multiplies the blessings because God's words are never bullets. They're always seeds. They always have a return. And so as we pray, those God's words are in our hearts and those seeds are growing and there's a return on them. So when you pray for your spouse to be more understanding and more patient, God is growing that seed of understanding and patient in you. When you pray that your children would be more obedient and could listen and hear you and obey and then hear God in, in turn, then your, your obedience and, and your desire to obey and to listen grows in you. And so praying always has two benefits. It is releasing the Holy Spirit to others and it is also growing things inside of you. It's like a BOGO. It's a buy one, get one. Come on, ladies. I'm speaking your language right here. Buy one, get one. <laughs> Valerie's pumping her hand. Hmm. As we continue to grow and to pray, God does that same thing to us. You know, God requires us to pray for our enemies because in doing so, we begin to love them. He is a brilliant strategist. If we pray for our enemies, their hearts will begin to be tender toward them. You know, God knows if we pray for the local church, we'll love it more. God knows that if we, if we pray for lost people, we'll have more of a, a desire for God to redeem them. God knows that if we will love our moms more, we, we'll, we'll love our moms more if we pray for them. God knows that we'll love our kids more if we pray for them. We'll love our friends more. We'll begin to see from his perspective who people are. If we pray for our future spouse, we will love that person more when we meet them. Because we plant seeds of God's word right now, and it grows in us. And it begins to allow us to, to see the things the way God has seen them. God's words are powerful. Intercession is us praying those words back to God. One of the most famous and well-known prayers that Jesus prayed in the scripture is the Our Father and we got to sing that in worship today. It's just awesome. So thankful for our worship team who knows how to bring heaven down. Uh, and so I want to take a brief look at this prayer um, for the last part of my message here. We can find it in Matthew 6. We're going to put it up on the screen. I'd like us to um, pray this together. So would you read it out loud with me? Many of you probably know this by heart, but this is how it goes. It starts with verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you. So Jesus gives us a model of prayer in this passage. And he actually lists six requests to pray, to pray regularly, and each of them have many applications. So even if you use this as a model of prayer and you began to break it down, you could say it in a hundred different ways. But it gives you a way that you should pray. And the first things he says to focus on are his name, his kingdom, and his will. And then the second thing is to focus on man's needs, his, your physical, relational, and spiritual needs. And so let's just walk through this. The first line is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praying for God's name to be hallowed. It actually, hallowed means greatly revered, respected, honored as holy. And his name is hallowed when we respond to him in the way that he deserves. When we pray this, we are asking God to take the highest place in our lives and in our hearts. We're saying, God, you are number one. You are first. I, I honor you. I give you praise no matter what happens. It's a moment of praise, of worship, hallowed by your name, God. You're great. You're worthy of praise. We honor you. Kind of like what Pastor Don asked us to do right there at the end of communion. That was so awesome. We respect you. We know you're the king of kings. That's how your prayers can begin. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this rain. Thank you for this rain again. Thank you for this rain again. I mean, you are just saying God, this is who you are. You're the provider. You're the protector. You do all things for me. You're omniscient. You're omnipotent. You're stronger than me. You're bigger than me, God. You're moving and, and you're, you're working in my life. Oh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's how Jesus began his prayers. Then he said, your kingdom come. Praying for your kingdom to come. You know, the kingdom is the place where God's word is obeyed, his will is done, and his power is expressed. And we want God's kingdom to come invade earth. That, that where we dwell would be a place where God's words matter, where God's words are obeyed, and where God's power is expressed. And you can bring the kingdom, God is asking us to pray that we bring the kingdom to wherever we are. The school teacher who does God's will in the classroom is expressing God's kingdom in that setting. If you work at the bank or the gas station or the hospital or the courthouse or if you're a, a surgeon or a ditch digger or a soldier or a homeschooling mom, if you do God's will, you are ushering in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is coming. You are pulling some of heaven down to earth and you are declaring my, your kingdom come, God, in my life, in my home, in my workplace, in my country, in my world. God, your kingdom come. You're praying it in. And the kingdom is already here in us and through us, but it is not fully here. It's manifest in part in this age, but it will manifest fully when Jesus returns to earth. But one of our jobs here as believers is we labor in prayer for the kingdom to increase. In fact, praying for the release of the kingdom is part of the work of the kingdom. 
Praying for the release of the kingdom in our workplaces and wherever we go and in Wegmans and on the way to Wegmans and, and in our homes and, and in places we go. When you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You are asking God's kingdom to come be released in that place where you are and that part of his kingdom would come and invade that place. The next verse is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's very similar, praying for God's will to be done. We're asking that earth becomes just a little more like heaven. That more of what God wants happens, that we can do more of what God intends for our lives, that we can influence others to do what God wills, that things would change in his direction and not, not change toward evil, but change toward good. Next is give us today our daily bread. And this particular verse is about our personal needs. You know, some, some people err on the side of um, never asking God for anything. Maybe you've been taught at one point, don't just come to God all the time and ask, ask, ask. And that's true. We need to hallow his name and, and pray for the release of the kingdom and ask for God's will to be done. But very specifically, Jesus models that we should ask for things we need. That he delights in meeting our needs. That God deeply enjoys meeting our needs because he is our father and he loves to give good gifts to his children who ask him. It's just like if you're a parent, um, how many of you, your child has a fidget spinner? Okay. So it's this little thing. I should have brought it up here. Anyway, it's the silliest little, there's no purpose to this thing, but it's all the rage. And so... We got, uh, Cecily's been asking for one, so we got on Amazon this week, and we ordered her this fidget spinner, and I was so excited to give her this $4 piece of nothing fidget spinner, because she was so excited about it. And, and of course, you got to buy one for every kid in the house, or they fight over it, you know, so we had to get multiple. But I was so excited. I, I don't... I don't care about the fidget spinner. It's not important to me. It's not even cool. I'm sorry. I don't get the rage. I don't understand. But I love Cecily so much that I couldn't wait to give her this. And I can imagine God has similar thoughts that he, when he can give us something, when he can give good gifts to his children for those who ask him, he is so pleased. He is so happy about giving you that front row parking spot. You wouldn't even know. He is so happy about meeting our needs when we ask him. And oftentimes he waits for us to ask before he gives us. We talked about that last week. And so we express our dependence on him when we ask him to meet our needs. So talk to Jesus. He loves to hear from you. And he is never, ever tired of your asking. Never. He's never tired of it. All right, we continue on here. It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So praying for forgiveness is a really important piece of our prayer. Um, praying for our debts, that doesn't mean we have to ask for salvation every time that we pray. Your, your, your salvation is sealed with the Holy Spirit once you ask Jesus to rule and reign in your heart. But what it means is sin keeps us from fellowship from Jesus. Sin keeps us far from God. And so in this moment, it's saying we all have sin, but when we confess it, he will forgive us. And confession and repentance is an important part of our prayer lives. 1 John 1, 8 through 9 says that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what that's talking about, is having a repentant heart and asking God to forgive us. And here's the last part. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Now, this is a preventative pre-temptation prayer. I, I think maybe this is the, the, a part of prayer that many of us neglect. But basically, Jesus calls us to pray for the Lord's help to avoid and escape intensified temptation before it can even occur. We need to pray that we don't do anything dumb. Pretty much. We need to pray to escape the storm of temptation to get into a situation that causes our life to crumble. Because how many of you know we're always three steps away? Three decisions away to being in the pit like the frog. (laughs) Three decisions away probably from completely making choices that will make your life crumble. And we need to pray that we won't be tempted to deny Christ, that we won't be tempted to do things that will make our life crumble crumble. It, it is the, the vitamin C of prayer, I feel like. It's doing things so that when we aren't praying when we're in the middle of the crisis, we're praying that we don't get to the crisis. And saying to the Lord, thank you so much that you spared me from that situation. The Our Father is just one prayer that Jesus prayed in the scriptures, and we can learn so much from it. Those are just a few things that we can learn from it. And there are so many more because God's words are powerful. So here's how I want to end today, really practically. Um, I asked some, some friends to come up here from the congregation that are going to pray some prayers from the scripture over us. And the, um, Luke's going to come and, um, and play a little bit of the keys here. We're just going to pray God's words together, and we're going to ask for another measure of release of the Holy Spirit. So just a few more minutes, if you can hang on. So um, if you come up here, if I asked you to pray, and uh, what I want you guys to do is stand also. <clears throat> Would you stand? I'm going to read this quote to you as they get ready. Um, That Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. William Cowper said that. That the enemy trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. And so what we're going to do right now is these four are going to pray prayers out of the scripture over you. So what I want you to do is take a, if you're comfortable, take a, a posture of receiving. You can hold your hands out. You can put your hand over your heart. At least just log off Facebook for five minutes and um, just receive, <laughs> receive what these scriptures say because God's words are incredibly powerful. Let's pray out 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 8. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you're not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, we say we agree with you. Mm -hmm. We, We say, let it come. Let it be as you say in these scriptures to us that you do enrich us in all speech and all knowledge. You empower us with gifts that you've determined since the foundation of the earth were needed for your body to function together. So God, we say yes to whatever gift you've given to us. We say yes to your kindness to us. Yes, We say, even in all how you want us to speak your gift, that your word would pierce through 
with the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ in us and that your word would pierce through the hearts of people that we speak with. The truth about the length and the depth and the height and the width of the love of Jesus for us. God, we thank you through our gifts of encouragement, exhortation, all the gifts, God, that you give, that they'll be used to speak of your love, your kindness to us, Lord Jesus. So in the end, that you, Father, can present us, the saints here at Erie First, as a pure and spotless bride for your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that from God's glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for, for your church, for your, your power in us and through us to touch those around us, Lord, to impact this world. We pray, Father God, that as we come into greater revelations, Lord, of your love, as our roots grow deeper, Father God, into those truths, that we would see more and more and more of you in and through those around us and through us. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in the order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe that the power is the same as the mighty strength. So Heavenly Father, as Jeff professed this morning, as you set your sight on you, that we are to open your eyes. This is confirmed, but I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for Pastor Nicole. I ask that you open our hearts, Lord. I just praise you in Jesus' name.
Colossians 1, 9-13. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, Erie First Assembly, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Through, uh, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing good fruit in every good work, growing up in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power. The mighty power of God is in you, residing in you, so that you may have the great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you because of the blood of Jesus and to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son. So Father God, we declare your word that Erie First Assembly is following hard after you. We want that wisdom and that knowledge. We need wisdom to know what to do. We need knowledge on how to do it. So we release the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. We call forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us that as we walk in God's kingdom and his power in every area of our life, that it'll start manifesting and setting the captives free. Strengthen us and give us your peace and your patience because of your Son empowered by Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, you can do this too. If Bert can do it, you guys can do this. <laughs> you can go home this week and find the prayers, God's words that are already in there and it has incredible power. And so God, we thank you for today. We love you. We give you praise. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. God, it is our privilege to be here with you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, get to a prayer group this week. You don't want to miss it. Have a great afternoon. <laughs>